Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, would you turn there with me? Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I've got something very familiar here. Uh, and uh, Brother Switzer and I, Brother Smith, was sharing lunch together this afternoon after service. And uh, we was talking. Uh, we was kind of joking, you know. There's really, uh, we have uh, no doubt you're just like I am. You've heard messages. You've heard brothers preach messages. And in your mind, you've probably said that's a camp meeting message. But uh, we have come to the conclusion, whatever God lays on your heart to preach, that's the camp meeting message. Or that's the revival message. Or wherever you happen, that's the funeral message. Or wherever you happen to be, if God deals with you, then that's the message for that hour. And I feel like God's dealt with me about this. And it's, it's, it's going to be a little different probably. And uh, I'm not sure that it'll fall under the classification of some of your judgments as a camp meeting message but uh, this, this, you're going to get it anyway. How's that? Now, I'm going to do my best to try to obey the Lord here. I feel like God has something for us. So uh, let's get in here and see if the Lord will help us. Hebrews 11, we'll read one verse of Scripture. We'll read verse 7. Very familiar territory. The Bible said, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I want to read that one more time. That'd be okay. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Hallelujah. Noah, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Hallelujah. You know, Noah wasn't the only man on that boat. Come on now. There were seven more souls on there with him. He, he not only was saved, Noah won his entire family. Noah had a great influence because of the things that he did for God over those that knew him the best. And that's what I want to talk to us about, if the Lord would help me. I want to talk to us, and I know it's a mixed, mixed congregation. Just bear with me. But I really felt like preaching to us on this thought, the influence of a godly father. The influence of a godly father. Now, if you're here and uh, your husband's not saved, your children's father's not saved, you're born again, Maybe I could preach the influence of a godly mother or the influence of a godly parent or maybe we could just call it the influence of a godly person. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands toward heaven and pray? Let's ask the Holy Ghost to help us here. It goes without saying, and I, I, I really, I don't want to be too elementary, but I, I, wanna, I just want to bear my heart and share with you what I feel like God has dealt with me about some things. There's some things I would like to say but uh, it almost goes without saying among us, especially as Pentecostal people living in the year 2014 in America, and I'll say it again for the sake of this message, the family unit is in grave danger in the world in which you and I have been thrust into. Families are being torn apart. Uh, everywhere you look, families are in trouble. Uh, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, you have people in your family, I have people in my family, 
You look to the left hand, there's trouble. You look to the right hand, there's families struggling. And uh, we're in church, uh, Sister Tig and I, uh, over 300 services a year. And uh, nearly every revival, I just about, I could just about say every revival, but I'll say nearly every revival, there's prayer requests given. Please pray for my family, or please pray for a family that I know. I don't know how you feel about it, but I believe that the devil has launched an attack against the home and against the family. And for those of you that have studied the Bible, that almost goes without saying. But in our generation, the family is being torn apart and fragmented by divorce, by separation, by economics, all kind of different things, tactics that the enemy is using to try to uh, defragment the family and tear the home apart. And in this generation that you and I have been thrust into, especially here in America, many liberal circles are trying to redefine what the word family even means. Uh, when I was a boy, a family was a mommy and a daddy and babies. Hallelujah. But now this time that we are living in, the, the liberal uh, world that we are living in is trying to redefine what the term family even means. And, and families in general are experiencing tremendous pressure. Amen. Socially, the family unit of mama and daddy and baby is, is no longer the norm. That's no longer the norm, especially here in America. Uh, in the world's view, it's no longer the norm. Economically, the family is under an onslaught. It's under an attack of the enemy. And uh, I'll preach to you that not much has changed in the past several thousand years. Several thousand years ago, the world was in very much the same state the family was disintegrating and evil was on the rampage I read to you about the time of Noah the Bible gives us some insight about what was taking place during that man's generation in the book of Genesis chapter 6 the Bible said and God saw the wickedness of man that it was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and it repented the Lord that he had made man upon the earth and it grieved him at his heart and the Lord said I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fruit and the uh, fowls of the air for it repenteth me that I have made them but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord did you hear what the writer said in the book of Genesis amen he said that God saw the wickedness of man that it was great in the earth amen if we've ever ever lived in a wicked time if there's ever been a wicked generation on the face of planet earth we've got a wicked generation in the hour in which you and I live not only did he see the wickedness of man but he saw that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually hallelujah this wicked man this rebel against God his thoughts was not on the Lord his thoughts was not on the ways of God, the, the works of God, or the word of God but his thoughts was only on evil continually how to go about satisfying the lust and the cravings the desires of his own flesh, that's what this rebel in Genesis chapter 6, the picture that God paints 
Jesus is a picture of a rebel generation who refused to own God as their God, who refused to worship him as the creator, who refused to love him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, you're sitting there looking at me. I'm glad you're quiet because I feel like preaching to you here for a few minutes tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. We have been thrust into that same kind of situation in 2014. And I'm going to preach to you. It's not just in America. America has been, amen, a part of the great harlot that's brought about the situation, amen, that we're seeing on planet Earth. But this is a sickness. This sin has spread all around this globe. And we've been thrust into the last days. Jesus said in Matthew 24, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. He said, so shall it be also in the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus said, we would know the Lord's coming was near by the resemblance of our times to Noah's generation. If we've ever lived in that time, then we ought to be on the brink of the coming of the Lord. It's this hour that you and I are living in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, we are. As a godly father, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible gives us some indication on this grace and what it did in the life of Noah and in the life of his family. This grace caused him to move with godly fear. You see, Noah caught a glimpse of what was taking place in the world all around him. Amen. When he saw the condition of his generation and he pondered the condition of that generation and he heard the voice of God speaking to him and dealing with his heart and he weighed all of that out and he sifted through all of that and he come to this conclusion. I believe I'll mind the Lord. I believe I'll go God's way. I believe I'll listen to the voice of God. I believe I'll obey God. Hallelujah. Listen, folks, we too have seen the condition of our society. Drunkenness, thievery, greediness on every hand. Amen. I'm telling you, we've seen ungodliness, adultery, fornication. Amen. We've heard the voice of the Almighty over and over and over in commands like, come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We've heard him say, love not the world neither the things that are in the world I don't know about you but I feel a godly fear gripping my heart and I believe I'll busy myself working on this ark to the saving of my house hallelujah oh lift your hands and praise him here will you he heard the voice of the almighty and he moved with fear you and I are blind spiritually amen we are blind willingly we are blind of our own stubborn accord if we cannot see the things that are going on all around us in our generation come on now 
Amen. Uh, there's people sitting in this building. Uh, there's things happening uh, so fast you can't even keep up with it all. Uh, I'm probably one of them. I'm going to tell you, uh, there's folks sitting here tonight. Uh, you never thought uh, for a moment, uh, amen, there would be states uh, in this union uh, that would have same-sex marriage uh, legalized. Come on now. Uh, you never dreamed uh, in your wildest, wicked uh, imagination uh, that homosexual uh, and lesbian couples uh, would be allowed to adopt children uh, and raise them uh, under the influence uh, of such filth uh, and abomination uh, before God. Come on, shout amen. Uh, hey, but it's happening. Uh, I said it's happening. Uh, men's thoughts uh, are on evil continually. Hey, amen. The devil is bidding for our attention. He's fighting for the attentions of our children. He's doing everything in his power. Not only, amen, to be stumbling block and a roadblock for my generation, but for the generation ahead of me, and especially for the generation coming along behind me. We have saw it. We've been eyewitnesses of it. Amen. Sister Teague and I, it, it amazes me the things that we allow the devil to fill our life with, to blind us, and to desensitize us to what's happening all around us. Sister Tig and I, we ain't had a television in over 20 years. And I've watched my family. Listen, I'll throw this in here. I don't think you ought to have one. Not if you're gonna be all that God wants you to be. You'd be a whole lot better off without it. Especially if you've got children in your house. Come on, shout now, somebody. That ain't what I come to preach about. We made the decision early on. My oldest boy's 24. He does not remember a television in our house. Come on now. We made that decision early on to raise our children without the influence of that. I wish we could have kept every evil influence out of their life, but all we could do was the best we could. Uh, I've watched through the years we uh, didn't get heady about it. We didn't get, uh, you know, we didn't poke our chest out and blow trumpets everywhere we went. Come on here. And uh, all of our families had them. If we went to their home, we didn't march through the front door of their home demanding them to turn theirs off. Come on here. That's just not the approach we took. They all knew we didn't have one. And for the most part, they respected us, every one of them. Come on now. Uh, I like to think they could feel something inside of us that compelled them to want to help us to try and live holy. Come on, say amen. But, uh, hey man, it ain't just, it's not just television anymore. Sister Tig and I went to, to the restaurant. I've noticed it before, but I noticed it at the restaurant just uh, Saturday evening. We went down here to the Longhorn, get a good ribeye, hallelujah. And uh, there's a big waiting list and we were sitting there among all them people, must have been uh, uh, more than a dozen, maybe 15 uh, of us sitting around there in that little waiting area. People overflowed outside. We was all waiting to get in there and get a place to sit so we could carve into that, amen, ribeye cook medium, hallelujah. And uh, I got to looking around. And did you know that there was not one little child in all of that group? As a matter of fact, the majority of that group had gray hair on their head. But there was nobody 
talking to one another. I wish I had a cell phone. Somebody got a cell phone? Y'all afraid to pull it out? You afraid Brother Smith's going to take it? Hallelujah. I know it ain't turned on. Huh? Every one of them gray heads, nobody was talking about the weather. Nobody was talking about the ball game. Come on now. Nobody was talking about the Lord or the coming of the Lord. Every direction I look, that's what that's doing. Come on now. Y'all know I'm preaching right, don't you? We used to make fun of the children for this. Now it's grandma and grandpa. Come on, say amen. Huh? Some of y'all got your phone set up and somebody says something on your Facebook page. It'll ding on your phone. Come on now. Instagram and all of these. uh, And you're tweeting about things you don't even know about. Come on, you're going to help me while I talk to you here? I don't understand it all. I don't want to be a part of it all. Come on now. Uh, But I'm telling you, uh, hey man, I got to looking at that crowd. I've noticed it in the airport uh, traveling. You know, I used to be able to witness uh, the folks in the airport uh, when I was traveling on missionary trips uh, but now they all got uh, earbuds in their ear uh, and a cell phone in front of them uh, come on now uh, I'm telling you we're the they call it social media but we become the least social generation uh, that America's ever produced some of you know all about Facebook and you can tell us what your friends across the country sent you over Instagram today but you don't know your next door neighbor's name. Come on, say amen. Huh? You don't even know your neighbor's name. Come on, shout somebody. The devil has locked us in our own little world. Huh? And if he can keep us glued to this, I'm telling you folks are doing things with this you can't even do with a television. You're going to help me while I talk to you? They're watching movies on demand right on their cell phone. Are you going to help me while I talk to you right here? Hey Amen. It's all in his plan. It's all in his plan. Hey Amen. Thank you. It's all in his plan to keep us locked in our own little world. He wants to keep us mesmerized, dazed and amazed and confused about the things of God. He don't want us to be a city on a hill that cannot be healed. He don't want our lips praising God and telling folks about Jesus. He wants to lock us down. Amen. Is any wonder there's so much lukewarmness and such a great lack of prayer among us as wholeness people? Is it any wonder Amen. One pastor told me not too long ago. He said, Brother Teague, I, I want you to pray for me. I said, I'll be praying for you. He said, when I, it seemed like I'm just going around in circles. He said, when I get this one up and this one established, I'll look over and that one's down. I'll run to that one. Get that one up. Get that family established. Look over and this one's down again. God, he said, I feel like I'm just running back and forth. You remember what Ravenhill said? Leonard Ravenhill said that we've gone from being fishers of men, the keepers of aquariums. Come on now. And that pretty well sums it up. Amen. The devil will keep us locked down and bogged down. But I want to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I want to have a heart that will obey God. Hallelujah. Wave your hand and praise the Lord here with you. 
Hallelujah. He uh, saw what was happening all around him. Amen. Sister Tegan and I was going on a missionary trip just uh, last month. And uh, we was in Atlanta in the airport waiting on our flight to leave the country. We were sitting there at the gate. Here come one of the workers from inside the airport. Evidently they worked at one of those little shops there on that particular concourse. And that thing sat down right in front of us. And I, boy, I had to take a double take. I think it was a boy. Had a boy's haircut. But it had big, long, fake eyelashes on. Huh? Red lipstick. Dangly earrings. Come on now. I watched, I watched it when it got up and walked away. You can say what you want to. But in my judgment, didn't have the anatomy of a female. Looked like a boy to me. With fake eyelashes and ruby red lips. False fingernails. Come on here. Huh? And uh, Sister Tegan and I done just like everybody else. We just sat there in silence. We'd glance up at that thing every once in a while. Huh? Make sure he wasn't gaining no ground on us. We, did, we just sat there in silence. Come on now. So, so, some, when uh, Eugene Smith was a boy, that thing would have got whipped in Atlanta, Georgia. Come on now. Brother Anderson was a boy that got whipped in Jacksonville, Florida. Come on, say amen. But now they've almost gained so much ground that they're fitting in. Huh? We're just turning a, a blind eye as if it's not even happening among us. Noah saw what was taking place all around him. And then God spoke to him. I said he saw what was happening. And then God spoke to him. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said he believed God's warnings. Amen. He paid heed to God instead of the world around him. Praise God. He said, I believe I believe what the Lord says instead of what's going on around me. Instead of what I'm seeing. Instead of listening to my peers uh, trying to pull me uh, in the opposite direction. Uh, I think I believe God. Well, I'd like to preach to you. I really would. I'd like to preach to you for Lord help me. Amen. Today's sad state of affairs should alarm every one of us. Amen. The world. Amen. The world. Amen. Means little to me if I cannot prepare an ark to the saving of my house. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen. When you get your mind on the things of God and you understand that we've only got one shot around, one time at this, that's all. Amen. Then the world and its bright lights will lose their luster. Amen. Sin and the temptation and the desire of the world will lose its attraction and you'll start feeling a heavenly pull in your heart. Amen. You'll get a pilgrim spirit. This world will no longer be your home. But like Abraham, you'll live looking for a city which have foundations whose builder and maker is God. I do not want a jihad with transvestites. I'm not going to jihad 
with this transgender America that we're living in. Come on, say amen. Huh? I'm going to preach to them that it's abomination because that's what the Bible said it was. Come on, say amen. Huh? Amen. Listen, he paid heed to God instead of the world around him. How about you? Have you taken heed, amen, to the warning of God? You know, every Sunday, God anoints men of God all around this globe, and they preach to us the warnings of the Bible, and they preach to us the mind of God. And if we're not careful, we'll mash the cruise control button, and we'll kick it up neutral, and we'll cut through our relationship with Christ. They'll preach pray, but we never will. They'll preach fast, but we never do. They'll preach fall in love with the word, and we'll go all week and never even open it. You're looking at a preacher that believes God still has a church. I know we all like to feel as if we're a part of it, and I'll tell you what God's church is doing. In 2014, they're doing exactly what they did in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Huh? They're doing the same thing. And if you're not seeing it, if you're not a part of it, and I know, boy, it's as unpopular preaching in America. If you're the one take the tuck head, Amen, and you're always whining around, where are the miracles? Where are the wonders? Come on now. Amen. I'm telling you, look in the mirror and blame that person looking back at you if you ain't seeing the glory of God, if you don't have the victory of the Lord in your life. It ain't his fault, his fault, this fault. It's your fault. Come on, say amen. If I'm not where I need to be or where I want to be, it's my fault. Did you know so many people are being born again in China? They can't produce enough Bibles to get them in everybody's hand. Indonesia is being turned upside down with the gospel multitudes of people being born again. I just talked to a brother that recently returned from the Philippines and they don't have the, uh, the, the group that he was preaching among did not have the standard of holiness that you and I hold so dear to our heart. Let me tell you what he told me they do have. He said it didn't matter what I preached. He said if I was a hacking and a sweating and a beating a pulpit or if I was talking and teaching a Sunday school lesson, he said every altar service when they got through hours it went by he said that with puddles of tears all across the front of the sanctuary come on now hey that's where you and I need to get back to that's where we gotta go back to in the presence of God he saw the condition of his generation I don't want to get sidetracked and he heard the warning of God, the divine direction from the lips of the Lord, and he moved with fear. What are you afraid of? What fear motivates you? I can tell you, it's the fear of little Johnny not getting a trophy for the soccer team if you're willing to miss Wednesday nights to go to soccer practice instead of come to the house of God, you're more afraid of that 
than you are of God. Come on, say amen. If, uh, if, uh, amen, taking your, taking your children to Disney World or, or Six Flags, come on now. Amen. We, we've never taken ours to those places. And I don't want to get sidetracked here. I just read an article not long ago since it said since 06, 35 Disney employees in Orlando, Florida have been indicted on sexual crimes against children. Come on. Amen. Come on here. It sounds like they're happy hunting ground down there to me. I didn't want to take my little boys and set them on their lap. Come on. You're going to help me while I preach to you hear, amen, amen, we've got to get motivated by the fear of God and start believing God more than we crave the things of this world. We long to fit in. We long to be the same. I've seen it, my children, my, uh, my baby boy especially, he's, he's not in right now and I'm believing God. He's going to be in. You hear me? He's coming. But uh, both of them really gave me fits, but the baby especially. I'd come to your churches, and they'd see little eight, nine, ten-year-old children with big cell phones on their side. Uh, and I refused to buy that for my kids. I said, uh, I told my boys I was grown and had children before I got a cell phone. We can't imagine living without them now, but I do remember it. I remember we had one telephone in the house I was raised in. It hung on the wall in the kitchen with about a 12-foot cord attached to it. Huh? We was on the party line. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We shared the party line with Annie Mae Coltrane. She lived behind us, and she sure liked to talk on the telephone. Come on, say amen. And Mommy would get ready to use the phone. She'd have to pick it up, Master Annie Mae, if she could have permission to use the telephone. Come on here. Hey, amen. We can't imagine living without them. Come on, you're going to help me? Hey, amen. I told my boys, when you get 16, uh, I'll get you one. When you get your driver's license, uh, you might need one then. Uh, but until then, uh, they're useless. Come on now, uh, didn't allow them to have Facebook, uh, not long as they lived in my house, uh, amen, heard too many problems, uh, too many horror stories, uh, it become the homeless gossip line, uh, I don't know much about it, uh, don't want to know much about it, come on, say amen, uh, I'm telling you, whose report uh, are you going to believe, uh, I think I believe uh, the report of the Lord, uh, and work on this building, uh, and get this ark ready to sail, uh, there's a flood are coming. I said there's a flood about to come. A deluge is about to take place. They laughed at him. No doubt they mocked him. Peter said he was a preacher of righteousness. Huh? A preacher of righteousness. There's always a scoffer. There's always a mocker. But this fear inside of Noah, this godly fear moved him. Amen. It put spiritual earplugs in his ears so that he wasn't mindful of the things people were saying. Come on, say amen. He did not take God's message lightly. God's message wasn't take it or leave it as far as Noah was concerned. Now there's been some take it or leave it already in this service. Huh? Some of you will never quit your Facebook. Some of you will never throw your television out. Come on, say amen. Huh? 
Some of your children already, eight, nine, they already got cell phones and Facebook accounts and Instagram. Come on, say amen. You'll never take that slop away from them. Come on here. I'm telling you, when God talks to you, it's not take it or leave it. You can take or leave what Curtis Teague said, but when God deals with you, when God talks to you, he's got your best interest in mind. He wants you to be an influence. He wants you to be a light. He wants you to be a witness in your family. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Noah moved with godly fear. He did not take God's message lightly. Amen. How many knows dissatisfaction is the start of change? Dissatisfaction. That means not being satisfied with me or where I am right now. If I get dissatisfied with my walk with God, with my prayer life, if I, if I get to a place where I, I feel like I'm not doing enough, you can call that conviction or whatever you want to tag on to it, but that dissatisfaction is the beginning of change. You will change either for the good or for the bad. Come on, see me. You either tighten and change for the good or you'll throw your hands up and quit and change for the bad. Hey man, I don't know about you, but I'm a feeling awful dissatisfied in my generation. I have, uh, uh, Brother uh, Switzer told us yesterday that he'd been saved, I believe he said 35 years, got saved when he was five years old. I got saved at 23, and I'm 46. Uh, so you know how long I've been saved. But I tell you, I, I, I number the amount of years that I've been walking for the Lord and I see the place that I feel like I am in God and then I look way higher and I realize the place that I should be, the things that I should have done, amen, the accomplishments that should have been accomplished for the kingdom of God and I feel like I'm a long way behind. Come on, say amen, amen. I'm dissatisfied. Hey, I want to move a God in my generation. Come on, say amen. Hey, I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen deaf ears unstopped. But a lot of my brethren, I've heard them testify. They've never seen it. I'd like to see it in this meeting this week. I'd like to see some souls pray through the old time salvation in these altars. Come on now. I'd like to have a move of the Holy Ghost in my generation that would set the attention of my nation back on God. That'll never happen if I were concerned about the Facebook account or the Instagram, huh? watching Netflix movies. Come on here. It don't matter if it's documentaries or deer hunting programs huh? or Bonnie and Clyde or John Wayne. Come on here. If it's eating up my time from the things of God, then it's not healthy for me spiritually come on say amen I, uh, I've got to be so dissatisfied that change begins to take place inside of me amen concern motivated him to do more than just warn them boys see he didn't do like some of you he just did sit down look holy dress holy 
show up on Sunday morning, sit around the house and twiddle his thumbs and read the newspaper. And when his lost children come in, he didn't, boys, you better tighten up. He didn't do that. He led them by example. That godly fear that motivated him jumped off of him, got on them. Huh? They saw his sincerity. How many knows them that know you the best know if you're sincere or not? Come on, say amen. My uh, baby boy just got married in January. Uh, what day was her birthday? It was uh, Thursday, this past Thursday. Sister Lisa and I was at home. It was my new daughter-in-law's birthday. Well, baby boy forgot. Four, five, six months into marriage, ain't a good time to start forgetting birthdays. Huh? I mean, she is the big one nine. Hallelujah. One nine. She's almost done with the teenage years. And he forgot. Boy, I seen him. See, he didn't know it. We was feeding him that night for her birthday. We was giving her a little celebration. Lisa was. She, she got over there before him. He was kind of late coming in from work. He gets off at 5. He didn't get to the house to after 6. And he didn't know that we need, need, need not. But she done let us in on it. So he come. We was already at the table eating. He comes sliding in sideways and jumped out of the pickup truck, you know, about half run. Had to get to the door and run in. He was about to break a sweat, and he had a little card in his hand. I said, where you been, boy? Where you been? Come on. Oh, I just got sidetracked. I said, sidetracked? Did you forget something today? Oh, you know I wasn't going to let that go by. You forget something? Oh, hush. That's why he said, oh, hush. I said, I said, well, do you have to go to Walmart, did you? Come on now. You've been off work over an hour. Where you been? I've been at the mall. I've been at the mall. Come on now. I said, what did you have to go to the mall for? Come on here. Huh? He was trying to be sincere, but it was rode all over him. I knew, I knew as soon as he come in what the problem was. Amen. They know if your life with Christ is sincere or not. Those that are the closest to you, they know what stirs you. They know what motivates you. Come on, say amen. If you get more excited about your Friday night 9 o'clock program than you do your Sunday morning worship service, then they're going to pick up on it sooner or later. Come on, say amen. If you get more stirred up by your grandson's football game than you do the Friday night prayer meeting at Bethel Holiness, then they're going to pick up on it. Come on, shout amen. I'm telling you, amen. A lot of people do things in the name of trying to be a good parent or a good grandparent. I'm telling you, no better picture in all the Word of God of a good parent, in my opinion, than old brother Noah. Amen, Noah. He moved with fear and he got his boys busy working on an ark and the whole family was saved on account of Noah's righteousness. Lift your hands and ask the Lord to help us here. Made provision to save his family. 
Concern motivated him to do more than just warn them. He built an ark even when others didn't understand. Come on now. My boys are uh, both taller than I am. I'm six foot. And uh, 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 shamefully, I weigh 260 pounds. My oldest boy is about 6'4", 300. And uh, he weighed just the other day. He lost 30-something pounds. He's weighed 299. Big man. He made a big man. And he's always been a big boy. My baby boy started out kind of small, but uh, he's about 6'1", uh, probably 210, 215, maybe 220. They made great big men. Come on here. And I guarantee you, I had more than one or two in my family tell me what great football players them boys would make if I'd just quit all that church business, running up and down the road from church to church and city to city, huh? If I'd enroll them in the high school and put them on the blue comets, come on, say amen, huh? Hey man, one of the Church of God pastors in our hometown, pastors of Worldly Church, he was the football coach. Come on, say amen. Over to local high school. Hey man, he'd see them big boys. You could see it. You could see his eyes sparkle up when he'd look at my two big youngins. Come on, say amen. Hey, I'd tell the world I've got much bigger plans. Hey man, than linebacker. Hey man, or tight end. Or fullback. Come on here. Hey man, they're going to be on the kingdom of God. That's daddy's plans for him. I want him working and laboring in the vineyard of God. Noah didn't pay any attention to what his generation said. He took action that brought ridicule from his peers, but it brought salvation for his family. Don't think that you're going to get out without being mocked, made fun of, ridiculed. Come on here. Don't think that you're going to get uh, shaked through this life, skipped through this life, try, especially if you live for God and you do the things that God wants you to do. It's going to cause ridicule from this generation. They're not going to understand. Come on, help me right here. I said they're not going to understand. Uh, Joshua said it like this in Joshua 24. Uh, he said, and if it seem evil unto you uh, to serve the Lord, uh, choose you this day whom you will serve. Uh, whether the gods which your father served uh, on the other side of the flood uh, or the gods of the Amorites uh, in whose land you dwell. Uh, but as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. You got to get your mind made up. I'm going to serve God no matter what any of them says. I, I, I'm hurry along here. Sister, Teague and I have had the great opportunity of leading a lot of our family to the Lord on their deathbed. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved, I would not suggest that you put off living for Christ until your dying breaths. Because there's multitudes in hell who thought they would have a few moments to reconcile their lives with God only to wake up in hell realizing that their time was up and it ended long before they thought it ever would. But uh, God in His mercy, I don't understand it. God in His grace, I've told you about my wife's sister. Probably in the years gone by, her middle sister died with the brain cancer at 40 years old. Uh, 
She was diagnosed at 38, and in two years she was gone. But in those two years, God did a, a marvelous work in Sheila's life. He turned her whole world upside down, and he started shaking it. And he shook it until everything he didn't want in it fell out. Come on, say amen. And when she left this world, she left praising the Lord, glorifying God. Sheila was the one that, when God saved Lisa and I, and he got to deal with my wife about convictions and about external standards, she, she began to make changes that were quite apparent to anybody that looked at her. And Sheila was the one to make fun of her. She quit wearing makeup. After she got saved, and Sheila called her pale face. Told her how sickly she looked. How much better she'd look with a little Mary Kay. Little Merle Norman. Come on now. Huh? Some of you ladies nodding your head. They've told you all the same thing, ain't they? Uh, she, uh, she decided the Lord didn't want her to cut her hair anymore. So she started growing her hair out. Well, she was one of them... Ladies, you know, we come up to, in the 80s, and she had one poodle dog hairdos. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? About this long, all kinked up, real tight, curls out of a box. That's right. You ever seen anybody let all that mess grow out? Huh? It looked like a... I ain't going to say what it looked like, because i got to go home with her in a little while. I done been down that road before, hallelujah. But it... It wasn't pretty. It didn't look like a lady on the box, I guarantee you that. All that mess started growing out. God done told her to quit cutting it. She couldn't trim it out, hack it out, pull it out. Come on here. That one sister got up and testified and cried and said, the Lord told me not to put another pair of scissors in my hair. And she was weeping and crying and months and months went by and her hairstyle never changed. Folks got to noticing why she's got to still be cutting on her hair. And uh, come find out she's trimming it up with fingernail clippers. We always looking for a loophole, ain't we? Always looking for a way around it. They made fun of her. Sheila made fun of her bad. But when Sheila laid dying, guess who she was asking for? Know what she's calling her? Mama. She's calling her mama. That's the baby sister. She's calling for mama. I, I want mama here. I need mama here right by me. I want mama here. She stood by her bedside. I traveled and preached to y'all for months and months and months without her because she couldn't leave her bedside. She stayed right there with her. They'd sing the songs of Zion together. Come on, say amen. You know what Sheila told her? Amen. Her face all swelled up from radiation and chemo. All of her hair gone. Come on now. All of that beauty and all that glamour was faded. She's looking at the gates now. She's looking at the judgment bar of God. You know what Sheila told her? She said I want God to heal me I'd like to get up from here she, you know what she called us gypsies because we'd travel in that travel trailer across the country preaching the gospel God would bless us and God would help us and Sheila tell her sister it's because them people feel sorry for you they feel sorry for the way you live and sorry for the way you're raising them boys come on now but when she's got to looking at the judgment seat uh, hey man she got to talking to Lisa and she said I gotta get up from here 
Uh, I've got to travel with you and Kirk, uh, and I've got to tell somebody uh, about Jesus. Come on, say amen. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, that's the influence uh, of a godly person. Uh, I said that's the influence uh, of somebody uh, that's godly. Hallelujah. Stand with me, will you, all over this place. Lift your hands. Let's praise him right here one time, will you? Godly people. Godly people make an influence. Hallelujah. My wife's mother, just before she died, as a matter of fact, I think it was the last time my wife ever saw her before she got sick. She got sick. Her doctor was treating her for the flu. And within 30 days, she was dead. Turned out it wasn't a flu. It was a lung disease. Uh, they called it pulmonary fibrosis. She, she contracted pneumonia and died in less than 30 days in the intensive care unit at the hospital. The last time my wife saw her healthy, we was getting ready to leave to go out on the road and uh, preach revivals. One of the times we was at home, she went by to see her and my wife's mother had been struggling to live for Christ. Up and down, in and out, on and off. And she was in an off time, and she, is, she was just, for lack of a better way to put it, she is backslid. And the Holy Ghost moved on my darling bride. Uh, you talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and I'll tell you, there's more to the Holy Ghost than tongues and interpretation. Come on now. That's a part of it, but there's just a small part of it. My uh, wife's mother had been had a curling iron in her hair just that morning. And uh, she was fixing her hair without her blouse on in the privacy of her own uh, bathroom. And uh, the curling iron slipped out of her hand and fell uh, on a, a part of her up under her where a shirt would cover, and it burned her. And when it burned her, she cussed. And nobody was in the house except my mother-in-law. Now my wife goes later that evening and visits with her. We're getting ready to leave town. The Holy Ghost gets to dealing with Lisa. God showed her what had happened just that morning. She's talking to her mama about her soul. She said, Mama, God loves you. Mama, God wants to help you. And the Holy Ghost moved on her. And she said, Mama, as a matter of fact, God just showed me something. She said, just this morning, you was curling your hair with that curling iron. And you dropped it, and it burned you. And when it burned you, you cussed. Her mama's eyes got big, and she began to weep. She said, how'd you know that? Lisa said, there wasn't nobody here but you, was there? She said, there was nobody here but me. She said, Mama, God was here. And God sent me to tell you that, to let you know He's not give up on you. He loves you. Her mama went on to pray until she prayed through. You hear me? She prayed through. Hallelujah. Just a few days later, this sickness come on her, and within a, a, a less than a month, she was dead. I'm preaching about the influence of a godly person. Come on, say amen. Uh, 
Godly people are not mean and hateful and cantankerous. They don't do things just to get sideways with folks. I'm telling you, godly people are sweet like honey from the honeycomb. Amen. You won't always agree with this world. As a matter of fact, there'll be more disagreeing than there will be agreeing. But I'll tell you something, you won't have to blow your trumpets and beat your gongs. Come on here. Don't let them know how holy you are. They'll feel something different about you when they get in your presence. I'll tell you something, folks. Your family's watching you. Your co-workers are watching you. And you have an influence over them. They're wondering, are you working on your ark? Lift both your hands and praise him. I'm going to quit. Hallelujah. I didn't get to finish this. I, I went way too long. Bible said or teaches us that Noah's actions condemned the world. He believed God. Our lives should be messages of warning to the world that we live in. Ye are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said. But if the salt has lost its savor, it's thenceforth good for nothing. But to be cast out trodden under the foot of men he said ye are the light of the world a city that sat on a hill cannot be hid neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house he said let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works they're watching to see if you're working on that ark that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven Noah received an inheritance. His commitment to his family, his commitment to God, gained him something more tangible than gold or silver. He had the satisfaction of knowing, amen, that all of his family were safe inside of that ark. Praise God. Hallelujah. When that thing lifted up off the ground, it began to rock. No doubt there was great fear, but I'll tell you, there was something else inside of Noah. There was great satisfaction because he could look into the face of three boys and three daughters-in-law and a loving wife. Hallelujah. And they was all one because of his influence. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible never gives us any indication whatsoever that God spoke to Sister Noah. Never, never, never leads us, even gives us the slightest hint that he ever spoke to them boys or them daughters-in-law. God's mouthpiece to them was Noah. God spoke to Noah. And the life that Noah lived from the time that God spoke to him influenced and convinced the rest of that family. He's heard from God. He's heard from God. I'd like for somebody to see my sincerity, my willingness not to just go one mile, but to go two. My willingness, not, not to just give my coat, but my cloak also. My, my desire. I, I, I'd like for him to see a desire inside of me to please God, no matter how high the price, no matter what it costs, to please Him, to live for Him. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me all over this place? Father, I love you. I praise you for mercy. I thank you for your word. Meet with us now on this altar, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the honor for it. Help us to hear you. 
Touch the heart of a dad. Touch the heart of a mother. Touch the heart of a grandma, grandpa in this service tonight. Help us to leave this place with our affections steadfastly on you. Loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us, oh God, to have an influence over those that we love. Oh God, if we win the world and lose our own house, then what good have we accomplished? Help us to influence those that we love the most with our sincerity as we move with godly fear. Bless us. Meet with us, we pray in Jesus' name.